hello, and welcome back to the True Blue LA podcast. We, Eric, we give you a week off. Yay! That's nice. That's nice. It's nice of us. I say us as if it's not just you yourself saying I'm taking the week off. Yeah, I'm like I'm out of here, and then you heard you heard tires squealing <laughs> as soon as we stopped recording. So we last have week. Uh, uh, two. Uh, two weeks to catch up on there's a lot of news a lot of just like little little tidbits to catch up on nothing huge other than the fact that oh they're in this really fascinating division race so we'll touch on that but that's been the same thing for about the last three years uh we'll touch on all the little news bits uh we'll do the the regular stuff we do at the end dodges rewind questions from craig uh all that after this when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I was, you know, two when this happened. Um, mm-hmm. Don Drysdale was, like, doing radio when Oral broke the streak, right? Oh, yeah. And TV. Uh is they, Oral going to be doing TV when uh, Max Scherzer breaks the streak? Well, so the thing the the only the only thing about Max Scherzer's streak is it's it's not a scoreless streak because he had one unearned run oh. uh, three starts ago. Oh. But he has he has gone five straight starts with no earned runs, so that's something. Um, but is yeah, that, it, is it, there a longer unearned run streak? I wonder. There, you know what? I think there is. Uh, I think John Wiseman tweeted. I'll look it, look it up, and um, add to the show notes. I think there's like there was someone I think who had like a streak in the seventies, not okay. not the nineteen seventies, like seventy something innings. Um, no, <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> under, with no with, with, yeah, with no unearned runs, um, but uh, with no earned runs, excuse me. Um, but Oral was like second on that list so like it's not there hasn't been like a bunch a bunch of people going oh well, if only i had given up that next year that's when right it happens um, when they yeah scherzer's streak will extend into next year and then, yeah that'll be good uh, when he's when he resigns with the dodgers and um yeah so and the thing is like scherzer's not really like i mean he's mentioned obviously in in here but he's not really um part i mean he's not like the main thrust of this podcast i mean you've seen Everyone who's listening, they see the title. It's not it does, it, like last week was uh, all about Scherzer. I think a couple weeks ago was a lot about Scherzer. So, not that we're suffering Scherzer overkill. He's been ridiculous. Like his his ERA with the Dodgers is zero point seven eight. But uh, there's a lot more stuff to uh, talk about. Plus, we're catching up on two weeks. Um, the Dodgers were ten and three in the last two weeks, um, and they're still a game back of the Giants, which is what they were two weeks ago. But it's been a little more volatile. Like they, uh, 
they got it, or the Giants increased that up to two and a half games, and then the Giant or the Dodgers sort of crept back. Um, now they're uh, a game back, twelve to play. So that's where we're at. Um, the Dodgers did clinch a playoff spot last week. Um, they're ninth straight. Um, so obviously they want to win the division, but just knowing they're in the playoffs is is one thing. And like we we sort of knew that was going to happen, but it became official last week. Uh, they they clinch one day after the Giants did. Um, so yeah, that's where it's at. Um, the uh, one other thing that's sort of not there's just a cool little thing. Um, Mookie Betts on um, Sunday in Cincinnati. TJ Friedel, I believe it was his second major league game. He he played on Sunday, hit a home run, and then it was his first major league hit. And Mookie Betts in in right field. It was hit to right field. He was like yelling up to the fan, the Reds fan, who caught the ball. And like told him the situation, like, hey, it's uh, it's his first major league hit. Like, give us the ball or whatever. And he's like, I got you. I think is what he told the fan. And then so Betts retrieved the ball like immediately, which is which is always great. And then so the, you know T.J. Friedel has his first home run ball. The beginning of the next inning, Mookie Betts brought one of his own bats signed for the guy. Now that's a good trade off. Like, uh, if you're just a guy, even if you're a Reds fan, uh, uh, you know, getting a signed bat from Mookie Betts, that's pretty cool. Uh, I think C. Trent Rosecrans in The Athletic did a story on him. It was a guy in Cincinnati for a bachelor party. Um, <laughs> and uh, just, hey, let's go to the Reds game. And then, like, hey, the next thing you know, he has a signed bat from Mookie Betts. But I thought a cool thing um, – Right when he got the bat, like there was a there were a, a Dodger fan and his son, and I, the son's like a huge Mookie Betts fan, and the the kid, the guy like immediately like let the kid like um, pose with the bat, and like that was kind of cool. It would obviously the story would have been amazing if the kid the guy just said here have the bat, kid. Like it just would have been awesome, but it, it was just cool. Like the fact that like if okay, so if I don't play video games that much anymore and um but like if you if you set uh an awareness level for players like mookie bets would have the highest right like uh <laughs> he you know 99 is usually the max he'd be at like 107 uh roughly he just always seems to know what's going on like how do you how do you like know that you know like obviously you this is a new guy we just saw him yesterday but like Oh shit! That's his first hit. Like, yeah, he mentioned that he have, saw on the the brought the yeah scoreboard or whatever behind him when he came up to bat Friday or Saturday. I forget which if it was Friday or Saturday. I think I would think it was Saturday, but yeah, yeah. Um, that it was his first major league appearance. So he just snuck. Yeah, Bob Guerin esque awareness. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Bob Guerin. If, if if coaches coaches should be in video games, you should be able to <laughs> select a coach. But no, yeah, his awareness would be up charts, but. Yeah, just incredible. That was really awesome. I thought it was cool. Another thing that's cool. Wow, segways. Yeah, two weeks, two weeks off or a week off, and we're just still humming. Um, Blake Kershaw uh, <laughs> now pitching again for oh, the Dodgers. Um, uh, it's been a while uh, to quote Stain. Uh, so he last pitched July third, and then uh, came back last week. Um, over two months uh, old. Um, or over two months on the injured list, excuse me, elbow soreness. Uh, he is, in fact, over two months old. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, he missed 58 games. Uh, you know, it was, it's one of those things, I think it was, it's officially like forearm soreness, but it's really elbow soreness. It's all like related. So, like, it's no, there's no real reason to get caught up. He's mentioned elbow multiple times. Like, it's very clear what it was. Um, but uh, he was back last Monday, so he had a uh, a three inning rehab start, and then basically what the Dodgers were doing for like two months straight was like either with David Price or like uh, shoulder adult Tony Gonsolin for a while, or rookies Josiah Gray uh, before he was traded, and then Andre Jackson or Mitch White. They would essentially have like a four inning guy as a bolt guy, and they were just doing a bunch of bullpen games. So I thought like. Well, we could do have Clayton Kershaw do another rehab game, or we could just have him be our four inning guy, like his first time out. And so he did four and a third. He was pretty efficient. Uh, 
so they sent him back out for like one batter. I think he said after the game, um, like, because I think he got the it was the pitcher and he got him out on one pitch, and then they immediately took him out. But I think that that was planned. And he said like the the up and down is what's what's harder for me. Like, uh, just like get, you know, sitting and then going back out to pitch. Like that's a thing more more than like necessarily a pitch count. Um, so he he was good four and a third in that game, and then five innings on Sunday against the Reds. Five he looked really good yeah. on Sunday. Um, like the the slider especially was working. The curveball was great. Like they were just moving like crazy. He got fifteen swings and misses on the slider alone, and twenty swings and misses. Um, uh, just in those five innings, and like so, he he struck out eight. Um, he he had thirteen strikeouts, and he only allowed two runs in the two starts combined. So now it's just a matter of like, uh, you know, is, is he like? Obviously, they'd like to be able to set their rotation how they want, and if it's if it's how they want, um, is it going to be? Is he going to be the number three guy or the number four guy? Like, it, it, I have a hard time envisioning a scenario where like they they relegate Kershaw to being the fourth guy but I mean just the fact that he hasn't pitched in well like and the, and that Julio Urias has done so well it's it's certainly possible um and if but, they get a yeah. game 163 or and or a wild card it's going to be messed yeah. up for a bit anyways so yeah it, it, it's scramble it's a, little, it's a little bit of a scramble so you'll fi- they'll figure it out, but yeah, he has two more starts. Uh, it looks like they're they're both going to be on five days rest. He's he's going to go uh, this coming Saturday, and then probably the last Friday of the regular season. So he'll be you know built up about as much as he was going to be um, heading into October. So that's that's a good sign. Uh, the other uh, sort of returnee is is more surprising in that it, it wasn't. Uh, I, I don't think it was expected, maybe expected that he might have come back, but like, not that he's contributing at this level. Like, uh, so Gavin Lux, this was when I was on vacation. I went out to Palm Springs uh, for a few days. Um, they called up both Matt Beatty and Gavin Lux, um, who were both optioned uh, at the end of August. And uh, it was right after that 16 inning game, and like the time they were still churning through relievers and, um, uh, it really was a roster crunch at the time. Dave Roberts literally said the roster crunch, and he was right. Um, but, you know, it, it was one of those things, like, I thought with Beatty, because he had a very specific role, like pinch hitter, trusted pinch hitter. Like, they went to him a lot. Um, I thought they'd bring him back once his 10 days were up. They didn't. It took a little longer. And then Lux, it was like he wasn't really doing well. They they traded for Trey Turner. His He didn't have an infield spot. So they had him play outfield a little bit in in um, AAA, but he really only he only played two games there in the outfield. Uh, he played some other games in the infield, but um, they brought him back uh, when uh, Billy Mc. No, I guess not technically when Billy McKinney went down, uh, but it happened within a, I think the same day. Uh, and then also AJ Pollock still hurt, so like they they called up Lux and. They've had him start every single day in uh, in left field. Uh, the only time he didn't start was when uh, on Friday in Cincinnati he got hit by a pitch uh, on a, from a pitching machine on his forearm, and he was out. And then uh, Dave Roberts said, you know, he's, he's probably not going to start Saturday and Sunday. Um, he might be available off the bench. Then he started Saturday, hit a two-run triple, and he started Sunday and hit a two-run <laughs> homer. So – and the two run over was off a lefty, like, and he wasn't hitting lefties at all, like this year. So, like, uh, you know, the the only thing, he obviously, new to the outfield, he, um, the communication leads a little bit to be desired. I think in his one of his first games, uh, he ran in to Cody Bellinger uh, on a play to left center. Didn't think much of it at the time. They it, they were kind of having fun with it in the dugout a little bit, but like, you know, I think uh, his glove hit Bellinger in the face. Uh, and then, but they like collided just a little bit. It turns out, uh, uh, less than a week later, uh, we find out that Bellinger suffered a non displaced fracture in his ribs because his season couldn't get any more cursed. Uh, <laughs> and like he played through it a little bit and then like ended up not playing Saturday or Sunday at all uh, in Cincinnati. And, and who knows what's going to happen there, but yeah, so just 
brutal, brutal luck for Cody Bellinger this year. However, that said, uh, Gavin Lux, the main thing, like, he's been hitting. Like, um, uh, so he is, uh, let's see, Lux is 11 for 24 since since getting called up and just doing just about everything. Uh, Dodgers, I was looking this up uh, before I think Lux came back, or maybe it was last week or something. Uh, this is through yesterday. Dodgers number eight hitters all year. Uh, hitting 195 with a 284 on base and 319 slugging, 64 WRC plus. That ranks 27th out of 30 teams in Major League Baseball. Um, that's very bad. Um, like they're above average in every other lineup position. Um, now, uh, Austin Barnes has the most plate appearances, batting eighth, 154. Lux uh, has 97. Uh, but it's been like a, a real collection of everyone, like Zach McKinstry, who didn't, hasn't really hit, Cody Bellinger, Billy McKinney, uh, a little bit of A.J. Pollock, and then like all the extra guys, like uh, Luke Rayleigh, D.J. Peters, Sheldon Noisy, uh, a bunch of and, um, Yoshi Tsutsugo before he uh, went to Pittsburgh and started hitting. Um, Edwin Rios, who was hurt a lot. Uh, so really not getting anything from the eighth spot. Now Lux has either batted seventh or eighth in every game. Uh, batting eight uh, since returning, he's nine for 15 with a homer, triple, and a double. So, like, he's single-handedly bringing up the number eight spot numbers for the Dodgers. Um, now, A.J. Pollock's coming back this week. Chris Taylor missed, like, five games with, uh, with like, neck soreness. So that, that helped a little bit in terms of getting Lux um, playing time. Um, we'll see what's going to happen when, when Pollock gets back, uh, like, it, I don't necessarily think like Lux is you know locked in to like the starting lineup. I don't think that's the case at all. But if they could just have him as an option, like you know, maybe start a, a, a postseason game or two or, or you know whatever, uh, and then just he certainly be has a, the option to be an available guy at the bench. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Yeah, sorry. Play you know you play like this the rest of the season. You might work your well in. Like how can we leave him off? So. Yeah, I mean he's certainly he's certainly like on he's certainly on the roster. It's just a matter of like how uh, is he? He could be like um, like the, not that they would go strict platoon because it's not fair to like Chris Taylor, and and you certainly don't want to play Cody Bellinger against all righties. But like it, they could they could they could go, you know, uh, not a straight platoon, but like. Some it, it, there's a lot of right-handers they're going to face, so you can mix Lux in there however you want, and then you know Pollock and Taylor as needed. And then we've talked about this before. Like Bellinger shouldn't play; <laughs> like he mm-hmm. shouldn't start, but like he's he's probably going to play some. But I think just the fact that Lux is an option and a viable one, at the very least, off the bench and, and an occasional starter, perhaps like is adds a new dimension. I think to the we talked all the time about the depth. It's been tested this year, but having him as another option really does make them deep. Um, mm-hmm. So, like that's that's a good a good thing, I think. Especially when Pollock comes back. Yeah, and and that's supposed to happen. Um, he is in Camelback Ranch this week, and then they're playing uh, in Phoenix against the Diamondbacks starting Friday. He's supposed to get activated during that series, so we'll see how that goes. Well, you got a you got a thing for me. Oh yeah, so we're not going to do like um, postseason roster yet. Although that's, I would imagine that's probably coming next week. Um, but uh, I just think the way I just wanted to point out the way that bullpen has been used recently, we have a very very good idea who who the uh, playoff relievers are, and like we kind of knew that um, anyway. But just it, it's really. Uh, played itself out recently. Um, like they're currently carrying uh, 16 pitchers on the roster, 11 relievers and five starters. And the one thing that's helped um, is that it's five actual starters. Like Tony Gonsolin's shoulder is feeling good. Clayton Kershaw's back, so they actually have like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, uh, pitchers going through, you know, at least five innings, uh, pretty much every time out, or at least expected to. Um, and they're not having to do bullpen games, so it's not really testing the depth part. Um, so 
we're sitting here on we're recording on September 21st. Um, uh, Evan Phillips hasn't pitched in the last 11 games. Shane Green hasn't pitched in the last 10 games. Uh, Bruce Dog Gratterall has pitched once in the last 10 games. David Price, who has a sore elbow, has pitched once in the last 13 games. So already uh, that's four of the 11 active relievers. So the, we're really down to seven, and one of them is Justin Brule, who's the second left-hander. He's pitched in. He's pitched four times in 17 games in September. Uh, once was in a bullpen game in San Francisco on September 3rd, and then his last three appearances came down five, up eight, and up five. So he's like low leverage city. So it's really just six guys. Is there is their bullpen? Is there like the trusted circle? I guess you would say. Uh, Kenley Jansen, Blake Trinan, obviously, are, are the, the upper tier of that. And then some combo of Corey Knable, Joe Kelly, Joe Bickford, or Phil Bickford, excuse me, and Alex Vessia. Uh, and then I think come the playoffs, it's just a matter of, like, who's the second lefty going to be? I mean, is David Price's elbow healthy enough to be on the roster? Justin Brule, like, has he really shown enough? Uh, do they bring Victor Gonzalez back? He's been in AAA. Um just given his experience from last year, um, so I think that's just a choice they're going to make. But we'll, we'll, that'll you know play out over the last two weeks. But that, that's sort of where we're at right now with the bullpen. That said, having those uh, six dudes uh, kind of feels a, still a little weird to have Joe Kelly included in that list. But right. you know he's 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 shown it. Jo- yeah, Joseph Joseph has shown up. Yeah, he he has been as stable as a Joe Kelly can be, I think. Uh, so, yeah. Um, okay, so I do have a trivia question for you. Not not bullpen-related, but it's Dodgers-related. Like, right. we, oh, we, we tend, we Yeah, it's always Dodgers-related. Uh, we tend to... It's weird how this season's framed, because it's really... What, what it really is is one of the best seasons the Dodgers have ever had, and uh, we're looking at it like... Uh, or a lot of people are looking at it like, why can't the Dodgers catch the Giants? when it in reality it's just like two teams playing excellently um now that said uh in their last 40 games the dodgers are 31 and 9 does i mean watching them do you does that track to you because that it kind of shocked me like i I knew they've been playing well but like that that number just kind of shocked me a little bit it it does there was a streak where they like had like lost one or two and a really uh lawn span and i remember thinking you know what that actually does kind of track just because of how often i would watch and they would win i would watch and they'd win and how uniquely frustrating a loss would end up being so it it got me to thinking so the 2013 team uh famously had the 42 and 8 run in in 60 games they were also uh or then um we thought oh wow that's a once in a lifetime thing and four years later they went forty-three and seven in a fifty-game stretch. That team also went fifty-two and nine in a sixty-one-game stretch, which was insane. Um, so it got me thinking. So the Dodgers are thirty-one and nine in their last forty. Um, there's twelve games. Twelve games left. So that's the last fifty-two games. The I think they won the first three of those forty games. So they are uh, twenty-nine and nine in their last thirty-eight. So if you want to, if you want to look at their last um, 12 games, which will give us a record over the final 50 games. What's the most wins that the Dodgers team had in the final 50 games of the season? I will take a stab at that after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. What is the Dodgers' record for the uh, best finish last 50 games to end a season? That's what, I, mm-hmm. that's what you need? Yep. Well, this is going to be a guess. Uh, let's go with... Thirty-eight and twelve. Okay, so you're very close. Um, before I give you the answer, <clears throat> it's mm-hmm. it's. Uh, or I'll just tell you the answer is thirty-seven. I won't. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you the teams in a second. So last year um, was only a sixty-game season. So it doesn't. It's not quite the same <laughs> to say like last fifty games, but they were thirty-six and fourteen mm-hmm. over the last fifty games. Um, they are the way Baseball Reference looks at it now. Um, they're 36 and 14 over their last 50 games this year, although it's not their last 50 games yet because they're still going to play 12. Um, but uh, two Brooklyn teams were 37 and 13 to finish. Uh, 1924, uh, a team that was like uh, surprisingly in contention, they ended up finishing in second. Um, uh, they were 37 and 13 over the last uh, 50. And then the 1953 team, which is uh, they didn't win the World Series, but they're kind of the gold standard in terms of like uh, performance, like wins, offense, just run differential. Like almost every like uh, you know Brooklyn record or Dodger record is like to that team. They were they were one hundred five and forty nine, <laughs> just a ridiculous year. Um, but they had thirty seven and thirteen to finish the year. So th- those are the two um, the two records. So. If the Dodgers go, all they have to do, all they have to do, is go nine and three to beat that. Uh, so they're in decent shape. It's good. You know what else yep. is good? What the Dodgers rewind I'm about to listen to. Yep. Uh, so this was someone I didn't really know about, which is always a good sign when doing a Dodgers rewind because it makes it more interesting. Um, you know, it's fun to to learn about. Uh, new new players or I guess old players. Uh, so Max Scherzer, we talked about his five straight starts with zero earned runs. Uh, he's one off the franchise record. Uh, the aforementioned uh, scoreless streaks of Oral Hershiser and uh, Don Drysdale. They had six straight games uh, with zero runs allowed. Uh, so I believe, man, I have to look this up. I I think Drysdale's was six straight shutouts. I know Hershiser had the 10 inning scoreless game that wasn't um, that like it, it went longer so it wasn't yeah Drysdale was six straight shutouts so the, the offense scored for him. Uh, Hershiser had the five shutouts and then the 10 inning game which was which was remarkable and then the other one was Zach Grinke in 2015. He had a uh, 45 and two-third inning scoreless streak. Uh, the reason it was two-thirds is because one of his starts was cut short uh, in the middle of an inning, and nothing happened in that inning. So he does get the two-thirds. It's a weird thing how sometimes the fraction of an inning counts and sometimes it doesn't. Like, but, yeah, anyway, that's, that's where we're at. So those are the six straight guys. I was looking down the list um, below Scherzer's five, and it, like Clayton Kershaw has a few four streak starts. Fernando Valenzuela, Don Sutton, Alex Wood in 2017 did one. Um, but then one stood out. Freddie Fitzsimmons um, in 1941 with the Dodgers. Um, he had a four start streak uh, of zero earned runs. I looked. Uh, he actually allowed uh, nine unearned runs in the in that stretch. Uh, three of the games. He allowed uh, runs, but they were all unearned. So that must have been weird, uh, like that that little stretch. But he still pitched very well during that stretch. He was also, I think, 38. Um, so uh, I looked it up. He um, he had seven scoreless innings in Game Three of the 1941 World Series. He, uh, the game was scoreless uh, after seven. In the seventh, he took a line drive off the off his uh, left kneecap. Uh, from the opposing pitcher, Marius Russo, who uh, another player I had never heard of, uh, started for the Yankees in that game. 
he had to leave the game. The Yankees scored twice in the eighth off Dodgers relievers and to break a scoreless tie. They won the game two to one. They led two to one in the series, and then they ended up winning in uh, five games. So uh, it's literally a tough break. I don't know if he actually broke his kneecap, but it, he. I think uh, I was reading accounts of it, and uh, he collapsed on the field. He still uh, finished the inning, which is amazing. Um, this is one of the the better leads to a Sabre bio I've ever seen. Uh, Gregory Wolf wrote this uh, about Freddie Fitzsimmons. With, a, with his short arms and legs, long torso and ample midsection, right-hander fat Freddie Fitzsimmons may not have looked like a major league pitcher during his 19-year career with the New York Giants and Brooklyn Dodgers from 1925 to 1943, but with one of baseball's most effective knuckleballs and a deceptive whirling delivery, he won 217 games. <laughs> Now that is an opener. That's how you open an article, folks. Uh, <laughs> pretty amazing. Um, so I, you know, with the nickname Fat Freddy, you want to see like how big he was. Um, baseball Reference lists him as, as 185. His saber bio mentions I think he was 175 when he started in the majors. Uh, it says he got 215 and up. So I don't know how far and up goes because that's doing a lot of work here. Um, he threw a knuckleball, like, not all the time, but enough of the time to, like, uh, keep people on us. I was reading, too, like, he had exceptional control of the knuckleball as much as you can. Like, he threw it for strikes, which is rare. But also, like, people didn't know when it was coming because he mixed in enough of his other pitches. This is from Leo DeRocher in his book, Nice Guys Finish Last. Um, if you ever saw Freddie pitch, you can never forget him. He would turn his back completely to the batter and as he was winding up, wheel back around and let out the most god-awful grunt as he was letting the ball go mm, like, a, <laughs> like a rhinoceros in heat. What was that? <laughs> like, oh. Mm, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so, yeah. Um, amazing. I, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen audio of Freddie Fitzsimmons winding up. I'm, I'm efforting to find it. Uh, but, yeah. So, like, I mean, imagine, like, like Zach Greinke or Rich Hill, like level of um, like volume when on, when on the mound. So he only pitched for the Giants and Dodgers in his career. Um, the Dodgers acquired him when he was 35 in 1937 for a pitcher named Tom Baker, who didn't who didn't pitch too much more after that trade. Uh, Fitzsimmons pitched in parts of seven seasons for Brooklyn. He had a 3.41 ERA, a 1.16 ERA plus. Uh, I was looking up. He he didn't pitch much. Like he he was described as a once a week pitcher. Uh, in 1940, he was 16 and two with a 2.81 ERA. He did that in only 20 games and 18 starts. Like he really was like just used occasionally. He ended up finishing fifth in the MVP that year. Uh, what I loved about this, he pitched 709 and a third innings with the Dodgers. Uh, he had 176 walks and 177 strikeouts. It was a different time. Uh, he pitched 19 years, uh, total 217 wins, 112 ERA plus. Uh, he had uh, just under 36 baseball reference war in his career. He later managed the Phillies, um, 1943 to 45. Then he coached for something like 20 years. He was on uh, Leo DeRocher's staff with the 1951 Giants. DeRocher managed him with the Dodgers. Um, he was essentially like the pitching coach, although they didn't really – uh, I don't think they – at that time, I don't think they differentiated, like, like coaching titles. It was just like, here, you're on the staff. like, And then, uh, you know, but he was pitching coach, basically. Um, this was interesting. In 1943 and 44, so, like, right after his playing career ended and, and while he was managing uh, the Phillies, um, he was the GM of the football Brooklyn Dodgers of the All-America Football Conference, which is – like amazing, amazing. Like we talk about Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders, but like that's a that's an amazing <laughs> double duty for baseball football. So I, I found this little uh, note about uh, Fitzsimmons when he was a manager. This was from uh, I believe a oh yeah this was a, a Jim Murray column I believe oh no no it was it was not a Jim Murray column, but um, this was a from a column in 1976 recalling an incident when he was a. Uh, a class A manager in the Yankees system in 1956. He seemed like a hard ass. Um, 
So uh, in spring training at Orangeburg, South Carolina, where despite his 54 years, he frequently pitched a healthy batting practice, uh, he, gave, he gave firm evidence of his respect for, quote-unquote, the way it was in baseball tradition. A first-base candidate for the triplet team, who'd hit a grand slam home run in an inter-squad game that day, treated his wife and young daughter to steaks in the restaurant where the team ate. Married players not encouraged to bring their families, were allowed the same per diem meal money as a single player, which wasn't enough to underwrite one T-bone, say nothing of three. But the big hero paid no cash, signing the check as was permitted up to the limit for the club to pay, uh, signing it not Al Wygant, but Lou Gehrig. Fitzsimmons almost exploded when he was told. The fraudulent Gehrig was shortly shipped outside the New York Yankees system, proceeding to hit 49 home runs that summer, not one of which changed Fitzsimmons' opinion of him one whit. So, he, first of all, that's a ballsy move. Like, uh, But also, what what a bunch of cheap asses. Like, like <laughs> sorry, you're, I mean, I get it, though. Like, you can't really defend you, but yeah, what a hard ass. Anyway, uh, Freddie Fitzsimmons... Uh, retired uh, out here. Uh, he, he lived in Yucca Valley for years, which is uh, close to where I grew up in Palm Springs. Uh, he died in 1979. Um, so, yeah, that was him. I have a Fitzsimmons trivia question for you oh, now. All right. So, seven scoreless innings, 1941 World Series, are the third most among the Dodgers' 43 pitchers with a career postseason ERA of zero with the team. Can Jacob name either of the two zero ERA postseason pitchers with more than seven Dodgers innings? Uh, can I get decades on this? Yeah. Um, so, uh, one you watched. Uh, the other was, uh, I would uh, one was under Tommy Lasorda. Okay. I watched what 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 uh de- give me a decade here. The, like I don't I I'm fairly certain you watched in person. In person? Yeah. Uh-oh. Um I could be wrong on that, but it, it's <laughs> it's that that era. Okay. Well, you know, that's that's a yeah. large swath. Is um it? Yeah. Uh uh, uh, man, I need another hint. I think. Um, one of um, the earlier one under Lasorda is a reliever. The other one is a starter. Um, with his entire Dodgers postseason experience is limited, like um, Freddie Fitzsimmons to one game. So Jose Lima. Yes. So. I, I was thinking about this question when I actually misread it a little bit, and I thought of Jose Lima. I not only did not watch that in person, I did not watch it on TV. I had I what uh, very famously I watched a lot of baseball uh, in the aughts. Yeah, but I was busy with real life stuff for yeah. the Jose Lima game and four plus one, both of which I had yeah. to like watch afterwards. Um, and so because I did What's not watch it. I couldn't. I couldn't remember if um, Jose, uh, how many innings Jose Lima went. The whole way, nine. He uh, he's the top guy. Terry Forster is the other one, seven and two thirds, okay. uh, which is surprising. Um, so you're you were what a freshman in college during the Lima game, uh, right? I would have been. Yeah. yeah uh, yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, weird. I start. I, I graduated high school early, so I was technically like a second year freshman. That's uh, weird. Uh-huh. But. Yep. Well, look at you. Now, yeah. um, uh, the Lima game was interesting. Um, I went with my cousin and a couple friends, um, and that was when USC was really good at football. Um, it's been a long time, uh, and. That was the uh, the national championship year that didn't get that, uh, or I guess the the second national championship year for counting AP. Um, but uh, they were playing uh, Aaron Rodgers Cal team that day, and they won by six. Uh, Cal famously had, um, I believe, uh, first and goal 
uh, in the fourth quarter, and then uh, Aaron Rodgers threw four straight incompletions, which was like a rarity because I think that game he set a record, like a Pac-12 record for most consecutive completions or something in a game, and they somehow held and they won. And I was, we were listening to that on the way to the game, and I just remember yelling in the car <laughs> driving to the game, and then uh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, good yeah, times. interesting. I had it in my head as eight innings, uh, at, but again, didn't watch it, so very willing to be wrong. But the final, the final um, out was I. Be- it was a pop out. I I want to say it was in foul territory. I have it to up. Adrian Beltre. Um, but yeah, that was that's because they were down 0-2, So it was like stupid teams never going to win. <laughs> you know, there was that kind of a thing. And then uh, that that brought some hope, and then obviously it was crushed by Albert Pujols among other things the next night. Uh, so yeah, but you want to uh, take incredible. a guess on who caught that game? Hmm. Oh, so that was the after the Laduca trade. So, oh God. Um, so Tom Prince, Brent Main. I see. I yeah. was either going to be him or <laughs> yeah. That that was the one of all the the crap like Paul D. Podesta got for that trade undeservedly. Where he really screwed up was not making sure they had a catcher because they thought they were going to trade for Charles Johnson, right? And Charles Johnson vetoed it, and they didn't have another backup plan. So it was like rookie David Ross or Brent Maine and like Tom Prince, and mm-hmm. it was like they were terrible down the stretch. <laughs> so yeah, they 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 needed another a backup plan, and they didn't have it. So it, that was rough. All right, it's time for. Questions from Craig. Trivia questions this week are all about the Dodgers versus the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. I, I glanced at these and I am gonna bomb like really badly. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll we'll keep a healthy pace going then. Yeah, and just so you're not fumbling around for yeah. <laughs> just one hour of Eric. That's right. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, name the top 10 home run leaders against the Rockies. So I have a list of top 10. Can you name uh, uh, the f- top five? Okay. So. I'm going to give well, you. I, I don't give me any hints yet. No, uh, no, no. no. I'm going to give you oh. three strikes. Oh, gotcha. Outside the top 10. But I want you to name the top five. That's what I'm aiming for here. Okay. So uh, Eric Karos and Ma- Mike Piazza. Uh, Eric Karros is number one with 36. Mike Piazza is number four of 22. And this is against the Rockies, just to yep. reiterate that. Yep. Um, okay, now um, uh, Matt Kemp. Number two of 34. Uh, Andre Ethier. Number five of 18. So I'm missing number three. Correct. Oh, Sean Green. Uh, number eight, so still no ah. strikes. Okay, uh, Gary Sheffield. Uh, strike uh, one. So he's only three years. So that was dumb. Uh, three and a half. Um, okay. Now, it's interesting. Um, Rockies. Oh. <laughs> uh, what was, uh, what was uh, Sean Green's number? Uh, he had 17 home runs and was ranked okay. eighth. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, Adrian Beltre. Number three of 22. There you go. Um, you want to take okay. a stab at the rest of the top ten? You want to just uh, me to let you know. Yeah. Uh, I will just... I, I only want to say, just because I think it would be hilarious, but I want to say James Loney. Uh, number ten of 15. He is. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, yeah, just give me the, the rest. Um, uh, oh, Justin is, Turner? Uh, nope. Strike two. Okay. Uh, Max, yeah. Max Muncy is six with 18. He's tied with Jock it. Peterson. Mm, nice. um, and then Chris Taylor is ninth with 16. Wow, Chris Taylor. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And then James Loney. Uh, all right. Same question. Same format. Uh, I'll let you know that there are uh, 12 players on this list because of a tie at the bottom. Yep. Uh, and this is for the Diamondbacks. Okay. So Diamondbacks started in 98. So eliminate... Uh, Piazza, at least. Um, yep. This one... Actually. <laughs> ah. <laughs> That'd be, be amazing. <laughs> if you're like his, his, he, he was there for a month, <laughs> like five weeks, and he just went off against the Um Okay, so 
let's just go uh, camp and eat deer. Uh, wow, one and two in that order. Um, camp with twenty nine, Ethier with twenty. Ooh, okay. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez. Uh, number six, so no strike, but not in the top uh, five with fifteen. He's tied with seventh place as well. Okay. Um, let's go. Um, let's go, Justin Turner. Uh, number three with nineteen. Um, hmm. kind of strange uh, that the Rocky numbers are so much higher. I can't imagine. Yeah, weird. A couple uh, of reasons why. Uh, Jock Peterson. Uh, number five with sixteen. So you're only missing fourth place. Who who has seventeen? Um, Janice Ian. Um, let's go. Um, Adrian Beltre. Uh, Adrian Beltre tied with Adrian Gonzalez. Uh, with 15. Sean Green. Number four with 17. Nice. So you're missing uh, 8 through 12 if you wanted to take any steps. Uh, let's well, let's go with... Um, uh, 9 through 12 are all tied, by the way. So you're only missing one of that. Who's actually, uh, I should I should state, is tied with the Adrians. Ah. Uh, um, so Chris Taylor. Uh, strike one. Yasiel Puig. Strike two. <laughs> um... I don't know why I'm. Oh, um, Raul Mondesi. Strike three. Oof. Yeah, you were I on fire yeah. until the end. <laughs> I should have said Sheffield, but yeah. Uh, nope. Uh, Cody Strike Bellinger. Four. Yeah. Uh, Yasmani Grandal, J.D. Drew, Brandal. Eric Karras, and Manny Ramirez. I I I meant to go back and say Karras. Yeah. Oh well. Cool. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna do the same thing, but on the pitcher's side. Uh, who Here are the God. Dodgers who have given up the most home runs to the Rockies? And we'll get and we'll do the same format. That's been working well. So, um, this is not fair. Or it's not. It's not. It's not to him. I mean, not to me. Um, but Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, just number, from volume. Number, yeah, yeah. Twenty-seven um, home runs given up. Uh, um, Ramon Martinez. Uh, ninth place with twelve. Tie seventh through eleventh are all tied with twelve given up. <laughs> Uh, Chad Billingsley. Number four with 15 given up. Um, all right. Let's see. Oh. Um, home runs to the Rockies. Derek Lowe? Uh, no. Keeping that ground ball. Yeah. Down. Yeah. Smart man. Uh, let's Oh, oh, Chan Ho Park. Uh, Chan Ho, 10th place. Uh, t- one of the many with 12. Uh, Darren Dreifert. Strike one. Oh, is it? Uh, I must strike two, right? Uh, yeah, because I said um, Derek Lowe. Oh, yeah, sorry. Strike two. Um, yeah. Um, I'll I, have to go to New York on that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a check swing. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, well, let's. It was only three years, but let's. No, let's go. Um, before I do that, uh, Kenta Maeda. Uh, strike three. So there we yeah. go. So we have um, Hyunjin Ryu. Yep, he was going to uh, be next. Third. Um, Hideo Nomo, yeah. second. Oh, nice. Um, Odalis Perez, fifth. Um, and then out with one more than the group at 12, you had Walker Bueller, 13. Mm. Yep. Um, you then have uh, in the group with of twelve, along with Chen Ho, you and Ramon, you have um, Pedro Estacio, mm-hmm. Yimmy Garcia. Wow! Yeah. Um, wow! That's um, incredible. And Brad Penny. That's the Austin Adams yeah. by pitch record of, of Dodger relievers home runs. Yeah. All right. Same question, but Dodgers against the Diamondbacks. All we, right. We have three. Uh, yeah. We have two with eight at the bottom of the list, so it's the list of eleven. Um, okay, so uh, Kershaw, number one with twenty-three. Um, Bueller, uh, nope. strike one. Ryu, strike two. Maeda, uh, number four with thirteen. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, can't really do that. Uh, uh, Kevin Brown. 
sorry, there's a name on the list that I find very fascinating. Uh, Kevin Brown is number 10 on this list. Okay. Um, hmm. uh, let's, let's go back to the well with uh, Chad Billingsley. Uh, bringing that back up. Uh, number two with 14. Tied. Uh, there's a pl- tie at 14. All right. Um, oof. Uh, it was only three years, but so this is probably not right. But just to get this over with, Zach Grinky. Uh, sorry. Uh, That's right. I'm trying to. One of these names is very confusing to me. Uh, Zach Grinky is not on this list. I think that's right. strike three. Yep. Um, Kenley with 14. Ooh. Um, uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Kenta Maeda of 13. Chano Park with 12. Rich Hill with 11. Derek Lowe with 10, and that's the number I'm trying to figure out because that was one year, I think. Uh, and that seems weird. Wait, uh, wh- wh- who was that last one? Sorry. Derek Lowe. No, he was uh, four years, right? But, uh, uh, yeah, no, you're right. Sorry, brain fart. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, Adulis, oh, Dallas Perez with 10. Uh, Darren Dreifert with nine. Karen, uh, Kevin Brown and Carlos Perez both with eight. Former old friend, I mean, former Dodger Rewind. Yeah, I put 2008 and 1998 different years. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, you know what? Jury's like, still out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. All right, good job. That was fun. Nice. Uh, Two-part contest question. So Eric can go first because he's a jerk. Uh, and Jerry yep. can go first on part P because he's great. The last time the Dodgers played a full 162 season uh, without a player with 30 or more doubles was in 1998. Uh, that was Eric Karros finishing with 29 in that season. Mookie Betts has 28 doubles. Will he hit two or more so the 2021 Dodgers will have at least one player with 30? Not only will Mookie Betts get the 30, he'll get to it during the Rockies series. Uh, woo. Um, how about this? I'll say he will, but it'll be afterwards, just so there's a little bit of contest going on. Sure. Like, yeah, if you hadn't added that, I'm like, there's no way we're making this a contest. Anymore. Yeah. He's uh, he's looked really good lately. Yep. Corey Seager needs one double to reach 20 for the season. This contest question, will not only Seager get at least one more double, can he surpass Justin Turner to move up on this season's double leaderboard? So uh, Justin Turner right now has 21. Corey Seager has 19. I am going first, and I will say he is going to get to 20, um, but he will not pass Justin Turner because he... Uh, Turner's going to keep pinning some doubles himself. Okay, so Turner's at 21, Seager's at 19. Yep. Uh, Jacob says uh, Turner will have more. Um, I say Corey Seager will pass him. All right. That sounds good. Or wait, what? am I saying pass or catch? Uh, this oh, it's cool. their pass. Uh, yeah, that's okay. fine. And we'll, we'll call that a push if they end up with the same number. Sure. Yep. Ah. Uh, I know you're excited for the next question. Do you remember the 21st night of September <laughs> in celebration of one of my favorite music groups, Earth, Wind & Fire? I wanted to see if you each recall the first time you ever went to a ticket broker office Ooh. to buy tickets to a concert. What we now so, call the secondary market. Uh, While I you think know. about that, Craig has a story on his. Uh, first time yeah. I did, my friends and I bought floor tickets at the Fabulous Forum for an Earn With mm. Win and Fire concert. This is when I learned you can too, be too close when you were looking up to the stage, but a memorable experience was had by all. For, okay, so before we were recording this on 21st, and um, uh, yeah. did, did, did you see, did you already see uh, Demi out of Juive's uh, video yet? I did. Yeah, beautiful. Wonderful. Just a, a genius. Um, okay, um, I'm trying to think. I don't think I ever went to a ticket broker office to, uh, office to buy tickets for that. Like I do remember like in the eighties and maybe the early nineties, people had to get like Dodger tickets by like, I mean, you could go to the stadium, but you, you had to like, you basically go to the ticket counter at like Robinson's yep. Bay or, or, <laughs> or I guess it was just May company back then. Right. Or, or, you know, Sears or some, like it was some weird, process um, this is what i like i don't think for a concert i ever did the secondary market ticket broker yeah um i know i had friends get us like 
good Kings tickets, I think, through that, but not for a mm. concert. But I very frequently went to Robinson's May uh, to mm-hmm. get tickets. Um, trying to think of what the first time I would have done that for. Uh, like a Thrice yes. concert, maybe? Nice. Bright Eyes concert, maybe? Because um, my, my dad had season tickets to the Greek theater for a while. So that was Ooh. my formative nice. you know uh concert going experience spinal tap highlight did you did you at every time uh, after i guess this would have been after you got your driver's license but did you ever have to get him to the greek um i don't think i ever drove maybe mm-hmm. i did uh so this will not shock you or anyone uh my first concert was weird al um i believe my first concert was weird al too but i don't recall any of the ticket buying process because i would have been eight or something i was was it was magic mountain oh mine was at the paris uh fairgrounds in uh, paris Paris. california not france (laughs) didn't go to france uh but uh, that, <laughs> just the idea of the Paris fairgrounds in France is <laughs> yeah, it's right next to the deep Eiffel fried uh, foie gras. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I same thing. I do not remember how I purchased tickets for that. I like how did we do anything back then? Like, I, I, I'm sure there were some things. I remember um, I was big into like. Um, Especially like the NBA had such better videos at the time, but like like the season ending videos when the Lakers won a championship or something, I would buy all those. I'd buy the baseball highlight ones, but you you basically had to buy those like off of an advertisement off TV, and you called a number. And I remember like I'd have my like my mom would pay for it, and it'd be like I think the most expensive one was like thirty bucks, and I just remember I I think I paid her. Ten dollars out of my allowance for like three straight weeks, so that was my payment plan or something. But um, I don't remember how uh, I was. I was in college when I went to see Weird Al. I I want to say I was nineteen, uh, so I would have bought it myself. But I do not remember how I bought tickets. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's interesting. Ah, uh, that's that's a. yeah yeah just the I I have now very vivid memories of the ticket counter. Yes. Uh, at the Robinsons May at the moment. Currently, the 96-54-2021 Dodgers. That's the record. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. that's a weird, mm-hmm. weird range. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2021 Dodgers have the same record at 150 games as the two, uh, 2017 and 2019 Dodger teams. But while the records are the same, I think that even with all the talent and resources this year's team had, this might be uh, Robert's best year as manager. How do you think he has done this season? Uh, yeah, so, like, very well. Like, just there's been a lot, like, going on, you know. Like, um, I, every team's had injuries, I think, so it's not that <laughs> simple to just say he just can't. The Dodgers aren't alone in, in in that, but like just sort of navigating through that um, has helped. He's look he he's like a pretty steadying force, I think. You know, uh, that helps. I, look, you just look at the Padres, right? Like, if for all the talk of like, you know, Roberts does this and that, X's and O's wise, the bulk of like what a manager does is just not have everyone screw up like or or (laughs) you're basically not not have the team implode um so and the dutchess have had some opportunities to like spiral right there was the the couple of losing streaks early on in the season uh, dealing with all the injuries bringing on another shortstop and a team that kind of already had two like yeah a lot of opportunities for things to go wrong and I, I think you and I have generally defended Dave Roberts, 2019 yeah. Game Five notwithstanding, um, as for the same reason you said is that for the most part, if a manager is doing the bulk of his job really well, you won't really notice it, but you notice yeah. it when he's they're screwing it up. Um, yeah, like the Padres the other day. Just to, I mentioned it, but like uh, it was against the Cardinals. They got swept by the Cardinals. The Cardinals are like on fire right now, but. Um, Fernando Tatis was like nearly got ejected for arguing balls and strikes, and Manny Machado like called him out in the dugout. He said, "It's not, it's not fucking about you." Basically, oh, there's and I, 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 I said shit earlier, uh, oh, so okay. just, it's, it's not, not all Manny's fault. All right, <laughs> yeah, and so uh, 
but like that was an amazing like dugout confrontation and the pictures from it are, are awesome like just just yeah. amazing pictures but like you like and there's been some articles written about that where like honestly, that, that's a situation that's gotten out of hand basically yes. to get it to that point like a manager like a a a good manager would have handled this well before it got to that point right which is which is like exactly what dave roberts says like everyone like justin turner said this like a lot of people have said this about him like he handles stuff right like part of robert's job and no one likes to hear this like like for all the talk of him being like a puppet for the front office i mean in some ways puppet is is a dumb term like um but like the fact that uh, a manager and the front office is on the same page that's required for the job right like that's part like and that's a good thing like having a a working relationship with like you know everyone on the same page is good like that's that's generally what you want but also part of his job and sometimes it's not fair he he's the front facing guy who has to lie or like or just take it like when when um and if he does it's at any his, point you know, like, disagree yeah. with uh, front office, that should be behind the scenes. And, you know, exactly right. Conclusion. Yeah, he, he, there's never been a point where Roberts is like, look, man, I can only manage what they give me. You yeah. know, like that. He's never <laughs> done that. I mean, he's he, the closest he'll come is to is like, you know, it's where we're at right now. That's like, but that's like because everyone's hurt or, or yeah. like, or something like that. And then like, and he never rips guys like, we talked about this earlier. The closest he came was, uh, and it was very indirect, but it was that one of the Giants games. And he's like, if we stretch there, we win. Uh, when it was Sheldon Noisy, like, just stood at second base instead of, like, stretching a little bit to get the last out. Uh, and he didn't even say Sheldon Noisy by name, but it was very clear <laughs> where Robert stood on that. And that's, like, the closest Robert has come to, like, ripping a player. You know, like, so you know, like, like he's just – uh, he handles stuff like very well, and like he's very well respected. So like, and really, after the 2019 Game Five debacle of X's yes. and O's, the, there was some nitpicking on what he could and couldn't have done in 2020. Mm. But specific, like Pedro Baez, um, yeah, uh, throwing the changeup because of mine. But if you look at the replay, he seems mad at the execution. And it should be noted the uh, X and O's calling of the clinching game were yeah perfect like and, every and, single move was correct and and as bad as the like the sending Baez back out was roberts like immediately owned that after the game he's like look that's on me i you know and it, it wasn't like one of those things where he doubled down and was like mm -hmm. i'll do that every time it was like yeah I, I shouldn't have done it that way you know what i mean like he he knew exactly so like yeah the uh some of the criticism is well founded uh, on x's and o's stuff. Sure. So, a lot of it's not but like he 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 knows what he's doing, and, and like I think he's, um, I think he's done a, a very good job, and, and like they're they're lucky to have him, just you know, given what what we've seen like around the league. So like, um, yeah, they're they're in good hands. On my trip to Portland last month, I went to a few restaurants to eat the same thing I ordered in 2019. It's got me wondering if there are any times when you go back to a restaurant and order whatever it is you liked the last time you were there. Specifically, Ooh. he wants to know uh, if you revisited any some old favorites in your uh, recent trip back to Palm Springs. So the the Palm Springs thing was like a mini family reunion. It was a golf trip. We've done this a few times where uh, generally uh, it tends to be in places that are roughly as hot as the sun during like summer because you can get like really cheap, like relatively cheap accommodations and cheap golf like I don't really golf, but I like hanging out with family and stuff. So, like, uh, uh, we had a lot of people out, uh, and, um, and we were all, like, in Palm Desert. There was a lot of golf involved. There was a lot of hanging around. So we didn't, like, branch out and do, like, Palm Springsy stuff, really. Um, we were just hung out at the pool a lot at the place we were at. Um, the one thing we did do was go to Las Casuelas, uh, not the one in Palm Springs, but the one in Rancho Mirage, which is, it's Las Casuelas Nuevas, but um, it's a bigger restaurant, uh, but it's all it's all under the same family. And that's where we actually had my mom's funeral, uh, or like the, not the funeral, the, um, the like, 
lunch afterwards, uh, the funeral. This was uh, 13 years ago. And I think that this was my first time back to that restaurant since then. But yeah, that was, that's been an old favorite and it was wonderful. That was a lot of fun. Um, I do enjoy like going to old haunts like that. Um, you know, uh, I, I mix it up. I think when I go there, I can't say I ordered anything like, uh, I did order a, a giant strawberry margarita, which was wonderful. Um, but like, yeah, uh, I'm trying, I, I can't think of an example of like, a go-to thing at a, at a place. Maybe when you answer, I'll, I'll try to think of one. But then that that was the the closest I got to like an old haunt uh, in Palm Springs. There are some places where just like, what else am I going to order? Like when I go to yeah. Philippe, the original. Like yes, yes, I might change which French tip I get. But yes, I'm going to get yes, French yes. tip. Like that's just right. what I'm going to get. Like you, you don't go to the Hat and not get pastrami. Yeah, Although, right there, you can get a you can get a, a beef dip there. Yeah. But I think the, the solution is you get both. Both, yeah. <laughs> and, then you, and you eat like a fat pig. Um, I yeah. can still smell the onion rings. Uh, I think mm. the one that comes the most to mind to me of both, I've been to this place multiple times and ordered the same thing, and there are other things on the menu that look really, really good, and I just can't do it. Uh, it's actually a place in Portland. I think one of the places uh, Craig is mentioning, although he might have actually switched it up this time around. I think maybe he got... Uh, at screen door, um, he, I think he might have gotten in the waffle and chicken last Ooh. time, and he switched to what I usually get, which is the. Um, it, it, it's it's funny. Uh, it's changed its name a bunch every time. Going to it's named slightly differently, but it's biscuits and gravy and chicken is is what it is, and that's and sometimes mm-hmm. it's worded as if it's going to be a sandwich, and sometimes it's not. But when even if it's a sandwich, it's a giant piece of chicken, a bunch of gravy, and then two biscuit halves on there, so it's not really a sandwich can't eat it without a fork and a knife um well i mean you could but you'd be looked at uh, so that's that's the biggest place that comes to mind just um so many good things that on that menu and i've seen friends and family order a bunch of different stuff and it all looks good but i always have to get the bits of gravy and chicken i will say this what i did order at las casuelas um and this is a nice uh or an occasional go-to if i'm at a sit-down Mexican restaurant, and if I'm not like feeling the tortilla, like I don't want to have like necessarily tortillas, I want to I want to do the fork and knife or whatever. Uh, Chili Colorado is is a good call. Um, a lot. That's what I got at Las Casuelas, and it was excellent. Um, but yeah, that's um, that's about as close as I come to like. Uh, I try to mix it up uh, a lot, but just go to like a random sit-down Mexican restaurant. I'll get chili Colorado and, and uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Well, I can't, I, I don't have time to make biscuits and gravy, so I don't know what I'm going to go eat. Well, yeah. Once again, Craig has made my mouth water at the end of an episode. So now, now I have to figure out what I'm going to do for lunch. You can figure out what you're doing for your next meal uh, after listening to this, but thanks for listening. And we will be back next week uh, just to talk about uh, the playoffs. Thanks playoffs. for listening, everybody. Bye. <laughs>